Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, good week, good new year, and all of that other good stuff. Welcome to a strange and different and new and shiny, uh, weird alternative episode in the universe of Dude and a Monkey that goes under the name of Dude and a Monkey and a Mank. Um, If you're wondering why this sounds different, no, Mark hasn't got a cold. This is Noel. This is what my voice is. Uh, It's the one I was born with, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, yeah, as I say, this is Dude and a Monkey, but with a twist, me being the twist, and also um, another twist being the former of the show, uh, which we'll get into in just a moment. But um, as ever, despite the fact that this is the first episode, I'm joined by... Mark Foster. Hello, everybody. Ian Loring. Hi. Hi. Sorry, I interrupted you there. I do apologise. You can tell we really practised this as well. So. we mentioned this on a sort of uh, pop-up moment on Dude and a Monkey um, at one point, but um, essentially this is a kind of one-off podcast that we're going to do on the Dude and a Monkey feed, and I'm going to kind of jump in um, and, and join Mark and Ian to sort of uh, join in the fun of it. And the concept is, uh, do, you, do one of you guys want to explain the concept? Because um, you have done so, so well in the yeah. past. I, oh, go on. Uh, okay, yeah, well, the concept is, it, it came about uh, from a, a drunken conversation when we went to see John Carpenter, where I was amazed that um, Ian hadn't seen The Fugitive, and then insisted upon buying him The Fugitive um, by a, a gift of an iTunes, um, gifting it on, on iTunes, and then the whole idea came up that we should do a podcast around this, so the idea is it's, it's almost like a round robin, so for instance, this week, um, or this week, this month, Sorry, uh, I bought Ian The Fugitive, um, and then Ian bought Noel uh, the film Tell No One, and Noel bought me Pompeii. Um, next month, um, Noel... No, let's not do that. No, let's talk about that at the end. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about that at the end, yeah. But then obviously what I was saying was next month, it'll be Ian buys me one, I buy Noel one, Noel buys Ian one, and then month after that, it will just keep flipping around, and we'll just keep going that. And in a way, it kind of it gives us the opportunity. Um, there are rules behind it. Uh, the rule is uh, the other person that you're buying for can't have seen the film. It has to be a new film. Uh, and also, it has to be something that you, you think that they'll get something out of. Um, for instance, I can't buy uh, Ian Grown Ups 2 just to be a dick because then I'll have to watch it because he won't watch it. So we can't just do dick buys is what I'm, is what I'm going to call them. We're doing stuff. If, if, if we happen to accidentally do a dick buy, then <laughs> fair enough. But we can't do an intentional dick buy. Um, it has to be something you think the other person will get something out of. The thing yeah. is, I the will other, say... Other... Oh, go on. Sorry, go on, Ian. No, go, go. I, I, like, we'll get to it at the end of the show, but the next one that I bought for Mark, I really like it he's going to go one way or the other <laughs> yes. and i don't know which that's the thing but i hope he well, the other thing it. to think of as well is this is kind of it's an opportunity it's a nice way of furnishing our digital our own private digital sort of collection Indeed. so you kind of you're furnishing somebody else's collection with with a movie that's kind of a recommend or something that you feel will add to their collection if mark you were to purchase grown ups 2 for Ian, it has kind of be a stain on his collection. So that, it really would be a dick move to give yeah. some, something shit. I, 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 I wouldn't redeem the code. 
it would just be <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I wouldn't blame you so yeah so so it's good that we're gonna do that and you know there'll be you know that there might be along the way bumps on the road where there's something that one of us watches and goes that no I, I just didn't get on with that but it, it's never gonna be I, I'm, I'm never going to give someone a Paulie Shaw movie let's just say that yeah yeah oh well, well actually I might though <laughs> we've already seen so so that's I, the basic. Have, that's actually. the basic. <laughs> that's the basic premise then. Um, and so uh, I think how how do you want to work it as as each film we go through it? We kind of do you want do you want uh, maybe we should the person who has given the gift introduces their reasoning for gifting the film or yes. yeah? yeah? Do you think that's a good way good way around of doing it? Because do. yeah, that we'll... one kind of said all right. You, you can kind of set up the film and say this is what it is, this is what I like about it, and I gifted it to X, what did you think, sort of thing. I think that might be a nice way of setting it up. Yes. Yeah, nice. Excellent. Right, so um, uh, film to start with? Fuck. Well, I think two are thematically weirdly linked, and then you've got the other one. So do we do the other uh, one, or the two that are kind of linked? Kind of. How are, how, are, how are two of them kind of linked? I'm looking at all three of them now and I'm um, trying to figure out. accused of murdering his wife. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, they kind of are. Yeah, all right, yeah. Um, yeah, we could, well, we could go with the, I tell you what, seeing as I'm steering the ship, I will start with my recommendation and then we'll go on to the two <laughs> uh, accused accused man movies. So, so to kick things off then, um this was kind of an easy uh, this was an easy choice for me um i know mark's taste i know my taste i like kind of trashy stuff and unapologetically trashy stuff um and i am a fan of the movies of or a large portion of the movies of paul ws anderson for that reason um pompeii from 2014 is a movie that it's just one of those films that you know when a movie just hits you at the right moment, you're in the right space, you're in the right mood. Um, faster is always an example that I go to because yeah. I know we've had this this discussion before. But you know, maybe you've had a couple of beers, maybe you're in the right environment, you've got a moment of peace, you're just in the right mood for the t- for, for something trashy and silly, and you get it. Pompeii is a movie that's, that's that is exactly that for me. It's not the greatest movie in the world. It's not the greatest Paul W S Anderson movie. Um, but it's an awful lot of fun. I had a great time with it, but I knew that it was trashy, but it's always been one of those films that I've kind of felt not, I've never felt that I needed to defend it, but I I've always kind of felt, yeah, I liked that. I had a good time with that. So I thought Mark likes trashy stuff. He might have a good time with this. I'll send him a bit of Pompeii his way. So, uh, Mark 2014's Pompeii. What did you think? Well, I'd, I'd not I'd not seen it, which is quite strange because I, I too enjoy uh, the the films of Paul W S Anderson uh, as well. I've I've always had quite a lot of fun with his state films uh, ever since um, Shopping, uh, which was his, his debut film, um, sort of over twenty years ago. Uh, and obviously, he's had a big hand in the Resident Evil movies. Uh, and I'm actually just having a look at his. Um, his, his output and I think I've, I've essentially I've seen literally everything he's done or written or produced so um, so you know it, it, it's I, this was like the, the, the kind of the missing link in my Paul W. Anderson uh, thing um, I, I, I liked it like you say it's it's trashy it's fun uh, we just kind of said off, off, off air 
that it is a little bit like Gladiator meets the tit- meets Titanic, um, which is exactly what it is. Um, but do you know what? I I think I'd watch Pompeii again over both Gladiator and Titanic, um, and it definitely won't be the last time it gets it gets watched. Um, the all the cast are suitable. I'm not going to say they're good as such, but they are all mm-hmm. suitable in it. I love the fact that Keith Sutherland spends the first half of the movie seeming like every time he's talking, he's got something stuck in his tooth and he's trying to get it out whilst delivering his lines. And then for the rest of the film, he's just so fucking happy that he got the thing out of his tooth. He's just doing whatever the shit he wants. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I really dug it. Um, I I think we'll we'll get a little bit more into it um, what we can into it and what what we each dug about it or which what we mm. didn't like about it. But um, Ian, what did Pompeii? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I actually um, logging it on Letterboxd, I actually gave it a more positive score than I did the first time round. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I watched about forty minutes of this on a treadmill in the gym at work today, and it, <laughs> I was pretty. I was pretty pumped. Like there was something. It was in the kind of the middle section where there's a lot of kind of like a gladiatorial fighting, and it was like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. I'm forgetting about the the fact that I'm sweaty as shit, and I just <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm having a good time with this film. It's a good treadmill film. Um, I've got my <laughs> films that I watch on the train, and now I have my films on the treadmill, and uh, this is a good one. Um. I think it's interesting that it's one of the rare films where you know absolutely everyone will die by the end of it. So yeah. there's, there's a certain aspect of what's the point um, to, to it. But um, I, I, I don't know. While it's on, it's it's a good time. Kiefer Sutherland may as well be called Senator Rapey. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, He's... He's kind of what he's on. He's just he might as well be all the way through the film. Just every he might as well not have any words. He might as well just ride in on a horse every now and again and go yeah, like that. He doesn't even need words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, 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 literally, it is established very early on that, that Emily Browning has literally run away before he's had a chance to rape her, and okay. then he essentially just basically just goes in and says oh you want my money yeah well i want your daughter well you can't have her well no money money no daughter daughter <laughs> yeah no it's even so far as goes to say look two choices right and they both end with me taking her away so you might as well have some dollar and then when he goes all right then he goes yeah i'm still gonna give you it <laughs> he's such a prick yeah, I know he is. But then I, I, I don't, it's a weird cast because you've got Jared Harris playing her dad, whose yeah. sole contribution of note for me was the line, by Juno's tits, is that all your luggage? <laughs> um, yeah. which, which is magnificent. Um, and like Carrie Ann Moss as the mum, what the fuck is she doing there? She just gets to do another like dying and gives a speech to someone like she did in Matrix Revolutions. Um Adewale Akinbayo Akbaji, that was an awful go at that. But I I liked him. Um, I really liked him. Yeah. Yeah, mm. like he's he's good, fun foil to Kit Harrington's. I'm very serious. Look at me, how dour I am. And then you got him every now and then coming in, just going like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. 
but we're going to be mates, you know. And yeah. it, 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 I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't know, it's fun, but. The, I mean, the action's pretty solid as well. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of CG and green screen kind of stuff, but you know, I think the fight, I think the fight scenes are great. Like, yeah. I really, really like the fight scene. There's, there's an early fight scene, the one that's kind of in the rain, mm-hmm. that you know, it's 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 the equivalent of the "Are you not entertained?" sort of moment, if you like, yeah. where he sort of, you know, where Kit Harrington just takes on takes on all comers, let's say. Um, is, that, is that one where he appears at the start and he looks ripped to fuck? And I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I audibly said, "Holy shit!" Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I think the kind of looked at me and went, "What?" what? I was like, "I'm not gonna lie, it, yeah. it moved." <laughs> There's there's good sort of nasty fight scenes in it, and and I think they work really well. It's it's a film that shouldn't work for an awful lot of reasons. The first reason being. As Ian said, you know what happens at the end, uh, or you know what's coming at the end, and that literally doesn't. You could pretty much set your watch by it. It's like it, it's like the the mountain erupts at I think it's one minute and five, sorry, one hour and five minutes or something. It's literally just like bang, last act. This is what this is when you're getting yeah. it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a one hour forty five movie, so you know what I mean. But um, so it, it it kind of has to fill time with something for the rest of it, and the rest of the film really is gladiator <laughs> with occasional cutaway <laughs> with occasional cutaways to shit moving like oh something's moving over there now back to gladiator oh what's going on with gladiator okay he's rising up the ranks he's found her he's found a mate who he's <laughs> supposedly fighting at some point right okay there what's going on over here oh something's moving right back to gladiator uh you know so and it's it shouldn't work um also I, I, kit harrington i Kit Harrington isn't a great actor, but yeah. the one thing that he's got in his locker, and he does this in Game of Thrones, and, and it, it, he's he does it sort of more so here. He's got that. Um, he's got that sort of. He's a brute, but with something soulful behind his eyes. You know, he's got that sort of like softness behind the eyes. Sort of thing. He's mean and he's nasty, and you know he'll fight to the death, and he, he'll he'll do what needs to be done, but he's easy to fall in love with. And he fucking does it to death here. He does it so much that it kind of makes me worry about his future career because I, I, I have to question if there's anything else to him. He's um, fucked after Game of Thrones. He's fucked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because this is all he can do. But he does it brilliantly here. And as Pompey is what we're talking about, I think it kind of, it really helps the film along. He's charismatic. You care about him. And you don't mind that, you've sort of seen this story before with a better actor yeah it, it, that's the thing is it is like that he he fits the role perfectly and he plays it perfectly well like you say he's a bit he's a he, he's got kind of a bit doughy eyed to him and the fact that he's not it helps the fact that he's not six foot two uh, yeah. blonde he's got you know curly hair and he looks a little bit he looks a little bit like like he's doing all of this out of some kind of john wick style vengeance for the fact that his puppy was killed but he also mm-hmm. does look like he could kick everyone's fucking ass and there's a i i think is i haven't seen him in um in game of thrones um so i don't know if, if essentially he's essentially the same character in game of thrones as he's in this pretty but, much <laughs> yeah, but he plays it quite kind of well uh for this he, he is believable as the character he is whereas everybody else feels very much like they're they're having it up to to fuck uh but it it 
it's a historical kind of epic that isn't actually that epic, but it, mm. it, it kind of it needs that overblownness. It needs that um, that ridiculousness to kind of back it up. The fact that you've got the one guy who seems to have his shit together and seems to know what's going on is the gladiatorial master who is going, hmm, that crack wasn't there the other day. We should cancel this because shit's about to go down. Mm. And he's saying all of that with a beard that he's had curlers in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, right, hang on a minute. That's the historically accurate bit you're going to get. That guy's beard. Yet the rest of it is all Bobby's. <laughs> I mean, I do I'm... appreciate as well that the, the, the tagline for this movie is a truthful tagline. Because normally if you had the tagline, what is it? Uh, I'm going to suck it to... Um, no warning, no escape. And it's like, if you saw that normally on a film, it'd be like, well, yeah, no warning, no escape, but I bet they'll escape. Whereas here, it's like, nope, they're not escaping. Everyone's dying. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, Everybody's dead here. It's the most on-the-nose tagline since Clash of the Titans, legendary <laughs> Titans will clash. Titans will clash. clash. Yeah. <laughs> I love that tagline. <laughs> I was so excited so, for yeah, that but, fucking film. Sorry. I was so excited for that. But to, uh, to 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 touch on what you said there, essentially, um, Mark Zeen is your own, the only person in the world who doesn't watch Game of Thrones. Um, his his character in Game of Thrones is essentially the kid with no parents who has to fight harder with somebody who has to fight harder than everyone else, and you kind of root for to sort of overthrow everybody else, sort of so. You know, in that respect, <laughs> yeah. very much what's going on here. And in terms of his performance, it's it's it, they've pretty much taken Jon Snow and plopped him in, in in this film. Really, he he is, as we say, doing that sort of doe-eyed um, fighter uh, character. So uh, it's he's very much the same. But it, it does it makes you sort of wonder. Well, it's a it reminds me of um, oh, what was the guy called who was in Twilight. Where they uh, sort of, Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. It's like the Taylor Lautner thing where they sort of went, oh, well, this guy's popular. We should put him in stuff. And then they put him in something and everybody went, yeah, we're kind of bored of that now. And he's just, you know, why is it? I think he's on a BBC, BBC Three sitcom now, isn't he? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. So it reminds me a little bit of that. I have to wonder what his, what Kit Harrington's next move what, is. His, his next move is he's going to be in a Western thriller called Brimstone uh, with Guy Pearce and Dakota Fanning. Oh, who the fuck uh, is that? Uh, that is directed by Martin Coulvan. Brimstone. Yeah. Uh, uh, he directed um, Winter in Wartime. Nothing else oh, of note. But he's also going to be in The Death uh, and life of John F. Donovan playing John F. Donovan, which is the upcoming Xavier Dolan movie. Wow. Well, really? I mean, okay. Yeah, with Jessica Chastain, Portman, Bella Thorne, Sandy Newton, Kathy Bates, Susan Sarandon. All right. Michael well, he's got a couple of things. He's got a couple of things lined up that actually seem interesting. I mean, a western with Guy Pearce as a character called the Reverend. Uh, yeah. and someone like Dakota Fanning thrown in there as well. That could potentially be quite interesting. 
he's definitely a he's definitely actor that I, an actor that I'm rooting for. Yeah, I, th- uh, I think that is that that's that's what I'd, I'd agree with there because I've, I've seen interviews with him and he seems like a nice guy. And the fact yeah. is that you know going for something like a Xavier Dolan movie um, is shows that he seems to know his shit. Yeah. To go for something like that, you know, Pompey seemed easy. Pompey for him will have been, oh, I want you to be in this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you this, and he's gone. Do you know what? I might as well do that. It's a step. It's a step into movies, and he's. And to be fair, it's a Paul W S Anderson movie, and he's leading it. So yeah, that's that's a it's decent a- enough. That's a decent enough jump from from TV. Um, and as as I've kind of hinted at here, I feel like he. I wouldn't say he carries the film. I wouldn't say he carries a film well, but I think in this situation, um, because he's perhaps it's because he's familiar in the role, um, he does a good job of carrying this particular film. So yeah, I, I've yeah. got to say I've been to Pompeii and I don't remember seeing the ashy statues of them kissing. Of people kissing. Hang on a minute. Are you suggesting that this Paul W. S. Anderson film might not be a hundred percent historically accurate? And yeah, is that what I, you're I, saying? I, yeah, I didn't see the uh, the ashy remains of many people around there. To be fair, it's eerie. Mm. Don't get me wrong. It's a fucking weird place to go to. Didn't see much of that. Mm. I got very scared when I was there because it was like, what if it happens again? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's been a while. I think it's probably safe, isn't it? Suvius mm. is safe. Hot as fucking balls. I'll tell you that for free. Anyway. Um, so do we do we want to star rate things or do we want to we, use we, we the monkey, the dude in monkey scoring system or... Uh, unless we come up with anything else for this, but um, I, well, I suppose would you I, I, would you I've play got a it forward? <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, Mark. That's that's your question. Would you would you recommend this to someone else? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, 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 it's fun. There's no there's no way from it. It, it, it. It's fun if you are of the disposition of somebody who can actually enjoy movies uh, and has the ability to go. Do you know what? <laughs> Um, I I don't care that this isn't a a, a historically accurate telling of Pompeii I don't care that it is a little bit hammy I don't care that that you can at some points virtually make out bits that are green screen if you just want to have something wash over you in a pure entertainment value Pompeii is a lot of fun it is I watched it on New Year's Eve and I enjoyed the shit out of it yeah, I agree. It's um, it, it's really pretty fucking entertaining. And also, hour and 45 minutes for like a this big disaster film, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. if they tried to stretch this out over plus two hours? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it'd be Ben-Hur. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I agree. I think it's, it's rewatchable as fuck. And, uh, you know, you can... Uh, it's, it's definitely something worth owning, I think, because if you do want something easy... Uh, and you, like you say, you've got an hour and 45 minutes to burn it. It does fill a nice slot. Um, right. Excellent. That's good. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, well, from there, shall we take it automatically on? And Mark, do you want to talk us through your recommendation for Ian? Yes, uh, I recommended uh, The Fugitive uh, for Ian. Um, and this was because 
I, I wanted to watch, weirdly, um, I did speak about this on the uh, Do The Monkey podcast when I watched Fugitive, but I uh, wanted to watch um, US Marshals, but it's a sequel to The Fugitive. Well, not a sequel, but it's the same characters um, in terms of Tommy Lee Jones' character. Uh, it's a sequel for his character there. So I, I thought, right, I need to rewatch The Fugitive. Uh, and I, I, I just had a look to see how much it was on iTunes at the time, and it was four ninety nine. I thought, do you know what? Four ninety nine to rewatch the fugitive. That's that's a decent enough price. I, I remember kind of enjoying it when I watched it back in the uh, early nineties. So I'll give it another go. And then rewatched it um, and was actually surprised at how much I, I enjoyed it because I remember this and um, you might be able to remember this a little bit better than than, than Ian maybe because. Um, Ian's a few years, a couple of years younger than myself. Uh, Fugitive was like one of those movies that was, it was a big movie at the time. And it was it was a big movie because literally everybody who watched it kind of liked it. It was a solid like five out of five and eight out of nine out of ten and ten out of ten movie for across the board. You know, critics liked it, but yeah. box office, you know, four or five times a year cinema goers really liked it as well it was back in the days when harrison ford could do an action thriller and it would be top of the box office yeah mm. it, was, it, it was it was a big deal you know and and I, I remember sort of that about it and then you know re-watching it sort of 20 years later i was like you know what this isn't just a movie that everyone remembers as being a good movie this is a really good movie and i sort of thought it, it's it's actually got lost uh, in time because it's good it's not exceptional it's not something that should have won awards or anything like that it is just a really solid movie so it's almost kind of got not forgotten about but everybody just assumes that it's good and nobody talks about it anymore because it's just a good movie um and then ian said that he hadn't watched it and i thought do you know what you should you should watch it because it's really really good um, and then that's where i said you know what I, I will get you it and that that means you have to now watch it because i have bought you it and you're obliged to watch it so and it's it's the sort of movie where i think that most people would, would, would enjoy and i know that ian likes likes his harrison ford grumpy harrison ford movies and who doesn't like tommy lee jones yeah i mean 90s big name actor star vehicles is is a bit of a blind spot for me i feel like um so i came to the fugitive looking at the runtime with a bit of trepidation i won't lie it's over two hours but one of the things i liked about it at least until the third act is that it's pretty pacey like before it said directed by andrew davis He's in prison for the murder of his wife. You see what, like, you see the fight with the one-armed man and whatnot, and you're in. Um, within about 20 minutes or so, he's on the run, and then it's just go time. And then there's a weird lull in the middle where, this is based on a TV series, isn't it? Yes. Yes, yeah. It almost feels like there's a mini version of a TV episode where he decides to start mm. working at a local hospital and help some kid out, and then Julianne Moore's there as a mm. guest star. Well, that's basically what the TV, the TV series was. It was kind of like a Littlest Hobo kind of thing, if yeah, I remember yeah. rightly. It was sort of like, you know, he helps people out along the way, and, and in the meantime, 
if someone gets a bit, someone might start getting a bit wise to him, and he has to move on to the next place. I think it was one of those type of sh- one of those type of shows. Yeah, so that, I mean, it, it, I suppose it was at a time where big, big screen adaptations of TV series were still relatively in their infancy. I think, I mean, in the nineties, mm. you got a lot of them, didn't you? I mean, you got um, obviously Mission Impossible, but uh, the Val Kilmer, the mm. Saint film. Um, I, I remember yeah. this coming out, and it didn't feel like it was a big deal that it was a TV. It didn't feel like no, it was like doing, we're doing a TV show of the fugitive. It was just like it was like the um, it movie. came out the new Harrison Ford action movie, and then I think if I remember rightly, I th- I feel like maybe Channel Four started showing the original. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I saw a few episodes of it, and that's how I know. Um, I feel like Channel 4 maybe started showing the original show on like a Sunday morning, first thing in the morning or something. And it was it was more a case of, oh, you know, that Harrison Ford movie that just came out. It's actually based on this. And then as opposed to what it would be the other way around and, and, and you know, come and see this movie. It's based on that thing you like. Mm. Um, yeah, that's how it felt. I mean, it was a long time ago, but uh, that's how it felt to me. I mean, it, it's it's the kind of film that we I don't think we're really ever going to get again. In a sense that it's a big box office star starring in a big budget film that doesn't really have any CG to it, and the action is basic. I mean, the action basically climaxes with two old men or two middle aged men having a fist fight, and then mm. a climax in a laundry area. Um, well, one of the one of the big kind of things about this movie was uh, was the fact that um, the uh, the at the time uh, you know the the train crash yes. set yeah. bit where he yes. jump, where he, he runs from the train thing and he jumps off at the Simpsons reference and everything like oh, that yeah. that at the time I think was one of the most expensive action set pieces ever done it was and i remember seeing a making of section on that yeah. so i can't remember what it was on but i remember Movies, seeing games and videos it may oh, have been something like that you know some sort of late night at two o'clock in the morning kind of job like that yeah, yeah. i remember seeing the same thing where they, yeah. they, they yeah. completely dissected it yeah and yeah it was it was it was that and it, it was, was like weird a huge that, deal of it. that's back in the days when something like that would happen and there'd be that one you know, I mean, obviously, I don't know, real trains were, were used and stuff like that. Now, something like that, it something like that scene, it'd be a three second throwaway in like, a, in sure. a you know, in Captain America Civil War or something like that. Whereas, you know, that was the action set piece for this. And they're going to yeah. tell you all about how they did it. The, the train, apparently, the train it. thing is, is still there, apparently. All right. Yeah, the, 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 the studio never moved the train thing from the the disused train trap that it is, and it is. Uh, I remember reading a thing about it saying that it's it's still it's still there to this day. That was a couple of years ago. I remember that. That's pretty good. I mean, I don't know. It just it's. I I I enjoyed the film. I'm far, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable with it being in my iTunes library. Um, but I I I don't know. I mean, I I I have more issues. It's weird. I rated it higher than I did Pompeii, but I kind of have more issues because I like, I, I, I would like to have... There's more stuff I'd like to change with it, I suppose, because Pompeii is what it is. But like with, with, with this, I mean, the third act, I, I think, is pretty poor because it, it, the whole cat and mouse thing is built up so much that when it's like, well, Jones starts thinking, hang on, maybe he is innocent. They really start looking into it, and then, and then it's like the third act is basically, well, 
okay, so I've been framed because of X, Y, and Z. And oh, it turns out that guy that was a bit sleazy and a bit skeezy all along, yeah, he was responsible. And it, it, it's, yes, you have to have it for the plot, but they spend quite a lot of time on it, and I'm not that bothered about it. I would have rather have had more cat and mouse between uh, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. If I could have got another action sequence involving those two and maybe take out that fist fight he has with that guy on that rooftop, that would have been lovely. Um, yeah. Sorry. Look, I, I just heard a... Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry to send you a link to uh, the Daily Mail. I'm not in the I'm not in the business of promoting that oh, particular well rag. But they do have a they do have an article about um, Mark the the thing that you mentioned the train wreck. Yeah, It's still yeah. there. So um, it's still there in the Carolina mountains, and you can go and visit and have your photograph taken with it. And interestingly, it's not just the train; it's the actual. Um, Illinois Department of Corrections bus that, that mm. got smashed up as well is still there. That's great though that it's it's you know that it's, it's real. Weird, isn't it's it? there. It's uh, amazing. That's if awesome. I'm ever in the Carolina Mountains, I will be sure to stop by. Yeah, fucking right. Um, yeah. I, so I mean, I I don't know. I mean, how how did it hold up for you guys? Um, I, I can say I, mean, I, I watched it fairly recently, um, so I, I did do do a rewatch uh, of it. Um, and like I said, I only watched it a few months ago, but I, I still enjoyed it. The the the, the uh, oh, sorry, again, still enjoyed it on my rewatch. Um, it, it felt a little bit more length um, that time, but I think if I watched it, let's say in the two three years time again, I think that the paceness had come back to it a little bit more. Um, I really enjoyed you know, the, the Tommy Lee Jones aspect of it the fact that he's uh there's an arrogance to him but it's a cocky arrogance of i'm very good at my job i know what i'm doing uh leave me to do what i do uh and the fact that he as he's investigating tracking down harrison ford he also kind of starts to discover hang on a minute i still need to stretch down to find this guy but this guy's fucking innocent and it, it, it kind of, the fact that you've got that position of him you know i'm gonna find you i'm gonna get you but yeah we also need once I get you, we need to sort this shit out as well because because it ain't right. No, I mean you've got the whole thing. I will say as well the the whole kind of aqueduct sequence was a lot earlier in the film than I kind of expected it to be because that's quite a like a referenced sequence as well. But the whole like I'm innocent, I I, I didn't kill my wife, I don't care. Yeah, I, I kind of would have liked him to have just had that attitude for more of the film, just like. Uh-huh. You know, just like I am doing my it, job. My job is to take yeah. you down. I'm going to take it is you a down. Fantastic line, though that the way it's delivered as well, oh, because yeah. it's so un- it's so unexpected. You know, and and it gives you such an insight into that character at that point where he's just literally he's like, I don't care. Which <laughs> is it's brilliant. And I think important to remember. I mean. I only managed to get the first half through the first half of this. It was kind of late. I was in the mood for watching it and I immediately, um, I, I loved this film at the time and I, and I watched it quite a few times when it first came out. Um, but I don't think, I don't think I've been back to it, you know, since then it feels like around 20 years since I've actually seen this. Um, <clears throat> And I slotted right back into it. I was I was absolutely loving it. If it hadn't have been so late and I hadn't been so damn tired, I would have watched the rest of it. Um, 
But it's important to remember, as brilliant as Tommy Lee Jones is in this, and as prolific an actor as, as he has been throughout the sort of 1970s and 1980s, the Tommy Lee Jones sort of sort of leading man kind of that we've come to know in the years that follow, you know, it really, this was kind of the movie that sort of really put him on the map as a, as a, yeah, yeah, a leading absolutely. man or a leading bad guy. I mean, you know, he was a character actor before that. Yeah, exactly. He was a character actor for many years and The Fugitive happened in 1993. Bear in mind that two years later he was playing Two-Face in, in, in a Batman sequel. Like yeah. that's, that's quite a jump, and I think this film had an awful lot to do with that. The year before, um, he was in The Fugitive, he played the main bad guy in Under Siege. Yes, yes. You know, a movie, which yeah. also weirdly was directed by Andrew Davis uh, as well. Um, you know, and he's so, great. He is great in that as well. And he's, he's, he's great in that. A very similar kind of character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, and he's... The fact is... Um, the, the studio didn't want. Um, Andrew Davis got uh, The Fugitive because uh, Under Siege had made more money than they'd expected. You know, Under Siege uh, kind of ended up being a really big hit. Um, and so he got, Andrew Davis got The Fugitive, um, which was the, the new Harrison Ford movie. And he essentially said, I'll do it, but I want to bring my mate across with me as well because he'd, he'd made a couple of movies with uh with tommy lee jones and the studio were like no we want we want a bigger star i, I think at the time they wanted um pacino because uh, pacino was was making his comeback into acts i think he'd done sea of love a few years before and then um set of the woman i think was around this time as well and they wanted pacino for the for the role um and Andrew Davis kind of said, you know, no, I want, I, I want this guy. And then Tommy Lee Jones actually came in and read for it. And they said, all right, we'll go and then we'll, we'll do it. Cause we can't get Pacino anyway, because he's doing something else. And then, you know, he, he ends up winning an Academy Award for it. It's, you know, it's one of those mad little things. And then, you know, from there, he, he's gone on to have, you know, you know, when you look at the movies, the level of movies he's made since The Fugitive, like you were just saying there, no, to the 20 years before The Fugitive, it, it's chalk and cheese. Yeah. I mean, it does feel like it was kind of quite late in his career as well. I, I, he was 47. He was 47 years old when this came out, which I kind of thought he'd be older because you look at that guy, and this is a guy, this is a guy that's only eight years older than I am. Now, Tommy Lee Jones has got a very lived-in face. I hope I don't look like Tommy Lee Jones did. Um, it, it, or Tommy Lee Jones does here in, in eight years. He's uh, yeah, he's aged very fast. But anyway, it's, it, it's, it was still quite late in his career. And to think that from from the age of 47, that's when you start getting the, you know, the Batman Forever role, the Men in Black role, the, um, uh, the, the real sort of big movies that followed um that's some doing and you know it's not entirely down to this film under siege had a role in there um natural born killers likely had a had a role to play in there but it's it's all um contributing to sort of really making a star in the in the 1990s that we didn't really have before absolutely yeah excellent but yeah i mean i i, I also i i'm 
the thing is, I've seen U.S. Marshals and I haven't seen the Fugitive. I don't quite know how that happened, but um, I, I've I, not I, seen U.S. Marshals. That's I, uh, it, don't know it, how. It's a fun watch. Yeah. I quite yeah. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it because like I all looking at IMDb, it looks like all of his team are in it again, and yeah, I yeah. kind of want to watch more of him and his team. Yeah. And, Wasn't and, it quite and, a few years later though? It was, it's I mean, like five, it was, years, it was later. five years later. Mm. That seems like a strange sort of like five years later when the you know the cinema landscape's changed quite a bit more and is quite blockbuster heavy and you know you've got Batman movies coming out and stuff like that and and for them to sort of go back to the well to do a spin-off of of the Fugitive. See, I mean, it was a popular movie. Well, he won it was, an Oscar, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, to go back to that particular well seems strange after five years. You know, when you've got a guy who's now in Batman movies and Men in Black movies. I don't know, maybe, does that not seem strange to you? I think it, I think it was, it, I think it was literally just the money, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, they, they tried to pitch it a little bit different. Um, you know, they had Wesley Snipes on board, um, and so they tried to pitch it uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Of course, is yeah, and they tried to pitch it more as a um, more as like a, a, an action-based movie uh, rather than um, a a thrillery type movie. I need yeah. to see it. I need to see that film. Yeah, I'm, I think I thought you. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix or something. I think I'm sure it is. Mm. So I mean, I don't know. We haven't really talked about um, Harrison Ford all that much though. Um, no, I mean he's he's good. He's Harrison Ford. It's, it's kind yeah. of there's not much more to him than that, is there? Um, I, well, I, I think I, he, for quite early on though, when you see him sort of, I think he's he feels like a much he feels like a different character early on. And for me, rewatching it this time around, I remembered something that that was was definitely present for me years ago as well, and that's. In that first act, or sorry, not in the first act, in that first sort of 20 minutes, he doesn't do a great job of convincing you that he is innocent. He, he comes across as, well, maybe he did do this. Like, I mean, you know, that he, you know that he didn't because that's the film you're watching, but there's almost a sort of... Um, you know, it's, not just that the, it's not just that all the, the evidence is stacked against him. It's that he's not really explaining himself very well, and he's not really he just he doesn't appear to be very he's, upset. He, 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 he's got a he, I don't know whether it's Harrison Ford's personality, but it, which it isn't because he's Harrison Ford. He's, he's actually quite he's actually quite a lovable grumpy bastard. Where, whereas uh, Richard Kimball comes across as a bit like he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah. He's rich. And, he's he's happy, and you know nobody wants to root for rich happy doctors do they so nope. um especially when they're grumpy and they've got a beard it's uh yeah maybe he just doesn't uh, i don't know if it's intentional or not but it, it seems to take a while for you to kind of get on board with him and and want him to solve the crime because early on it feels a little bit like well maybe he did do it because he seems like a bit cunt yeah <laughs> strong words yeah always <laughs> Um, so, uh, Ian, another thing you mentioned was the uh, the um, the cast and how they are billed. Oh uh, yeah, man. All right. So, 
Seal Ward is third build. Julianne Moore is fourth build. Seal Ward maybe, maybe has two minutes of screen time. Is that is that yeah. charitable? Like she's in it at the start. They yeah. like they have their conversation at the start, and then it's pretty much just flashes of her either dying, shagging with her shirt on, and anything else. I think that's about it. Yeah. And then Julianne Moore, who's in it more than her. The thing is, because she was fourth build. When she popped up, I thought, right, is she going to help him out through the course of the film? And then when <laughs> her last scene happened, I was like, oh, no, that is really it, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, poor Joey Pants. He's fifth build. He should be third build. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but Joe Padlina never got billed in any... I don't think he's ever been billed in anything <laughs> ever. And, you know, he, he's one of the great unsung character actors isn't I'm he? not even sure he ever gets cast I think he just turns up on turns set. up yeah <laughs> just, yeah the weird thing about the weird thing about seeing this now with um this uh with Scylla Ward as, as Helen Kimball though in my head it for years just thinking about this film I thought it was actually Judd I don't know why oh, I, actually no, I get them mixed up all the time man yeah yeah I, I yeah I actually yeah, I I I don't watched it a lot more if it was Ashley Judd. Nice. She's very dislikable, Ashley Judd. Though, do you not think? Uh, do you know what? It's a, I've got a weird thing. I actually really like a, 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 a small group of her movies that she made in like the uh-huh. mid nineties to early uh, mid nineties to early nineties, where I, I, I watched them and I really like them, but I watched them going. This is garbage, but I'm really yeah. enjoying oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, they're complete trash, and they've all got terrible names as well. It's from that period of cinema where everything was, you know, everything sounded like a late-night Sky Movies porno. Yeah, uh, yes, which, which they kind of were a little bit. Justice and stuff like that. Like, they're all sort of, I'm pretty sure they're all written by, like, the same guy as well. Yeah, the I think... Like, these along came a spider type things. The, yeah, High Crimes is one of them. Yeah, Twisted. Yeah. Double, um, double, double Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy. Jeopardy is one of the most ridiculous movies I've ever seen. But it's it, Double Jeopardy. It sounds like a parody name for for one of these films, doesn't it? If like if you had to invent, uh, if you had to invent a movie in your head that was a '90s thriller, you'd probably say Double Jeopardy. Yes, yeah. uh, Aaron Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. In fairness, uh, that's a fucking great premise for a film, though. Like her husband set her up, uh, set her up, and he's not actually dead. But because she can't be convicted of the same thing twice, she thinks, "Fuck it, I may as well murder him now." <laughs> yeah, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, uh, I could watch that type of shit all day long. I, so, I, I, so. I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's just lovely. All right, so um, w- I mean, would I recommend the future to someone else? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know. Yeah. Mainly, to be honest, with Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, my problems with the third act. I mean, were you guys like? Do you guys feel that at all? Or I mean, uh, no, you didn't. It, watch it, it's not time, as so. strong. It, it yeah. does. It does go up and it does kind of come down a little bit. It, 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 it's it's the weakest part of the movie. No, but I, I I kind of had enough good grace for it by then to to let it kind of get away with it. 
Okay. I didn't get as far as the third act this time, but what I will say is um, an hour in, it did, That's there's a section in the middle, it did start to feel it's, it did start to make me realise, ah, oh, shit, I'm going to have to go to bed because I'm not going to get through this. It could be, it, I think this would work better as a as, a, as a as a slightly shorter film, maybe if it was just, just under two hours, maybe, um, or an hour an hour 45 to, to two hours but then i say that about most movies so <laughs> one one final thing that's just come to mind as well that i wanted to talk about there's a sequence where tommy lee jones and joey pants uh interview the guy who turns out actually did it and he says oh yeah he, uh, i i i gave him he stopped me and i gave him some money and he went on his way and it's like well any idea where he went no and he's smarter than you. You're never going to catch him. Wouldn't it be mm. good if they did catch him? Because for him, because he wants him to go down. Surely he doesn't want the guy who could jeopardize everything running around doing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it kind of feels like it's just that. That basically makes you think. Oh, so he's not involved for the next. It's an minutes, intention. So. It's an intentional. It's an intentional misdirection, isn't it? Whereas when you look at the whole, maybe it doesn't kind of work as well. It just—it doesn't really make much sense. No, it's kind of unnecessary, really, as well, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, but yeah, there you go. But yeah, I—I um, I, I would play it forward. Excellent. Okay, so from there, shall we move on to our third and final film? Ian, this was your selection for me, so why don't you tell me your reasoning by uh, behind recommending um, 2006 is Tell No One? Well, it's directed by Marion Cotillard's husband, and I like thinking about Marion Cotillard, and if I have to okay. think about her husband in the process, then I will. Um, so... No, I, I mean, basically, it was in the kind of mid-2000s, like, post-film degree kind of thing for me, where it was like, I'm going to watch all the, like, foreign language hit films that cross over into the the UK mainstream and get, you know, that 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 kind of thing. And it, it in, I think, 2006 when this came out, it felt like this was quite a, a hot film, and... I, I only watched it the once previous, and to be honest, I was kind of itching for a rewatch myself anyway. Um, and I just figured, you know, Noel needs to class up his act a little bit. That's true. That's watch, true. watch some stuff yeah. with subtitles. So yeah, I thought, I thought, why not? But no, I mean seriously, I, I, I thought it was a solid thriller, which I would actually just quite like to have a discussion about. To be honest, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so there you go. I mean, what did you think, bud? Well, I went into it knowing absolutely nothing because I'd forgot. I'd, the only thing I knew about it is I remembered it being around at the time as, like you say, one of those. I don't know if it was ever released on on any specific sort of foreign label um, DVD, you know, like Tartan and, and stuff like that. Mm. But I remember it being one of those movies that you'd see um, in the foreign section at HMV that was that was clearly well regarded and had, had, had um you know had done quite well critically so i was always aware of the sleeve and, and i've seen it around 
Um, but I didn't know anything about it, anything about the plot. I wasn't 100% sure on the genre. It, if it had fallen of it, if it had sort of fallen into a bit more horror territory, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I wouldn't have known. Um, so I went into it absolutely cold. Um, and I would agree, it is a um, it is an excellent thriller up to a point. Um, yeah. Okay. It, it's 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 an it's uh, it's pacey. It's gripping. It's you are really really hooked into what to where this guy is at. What the truth? I mean, the way it sort of um, the way it unfolds. The way you sort of you're introduced to the characters at first. It does that brilliant thing thing that films do, where they they just let the characters unfold bit by bit alongside the story the setup isn't this is this guy this is what he does for a living and this is what he's about and this and now this happens they just let the character they just let the characters unfold as the film goes on um and so it just it 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 happens bit by bit and you're you're piecing things together and and trying to understand what's happened and what the mystery is. And, well, hang on a minute. Was his wife having an affair then? Oh, my God, that's terrible. Oh, no, she wasn't having an affair. This is actually what happened there. So this guy was exploiting this situation. Right, well, where's he going to go next to find it? And it's brilliantly paced. And then in the last act, it it sort of rips up everything that it's done and goes – Oh, now this guy is just going to explain it. Yeah. And then that guy explains it and you go, oh, right. Oh, well, that's not what I was expecting at all. And then he goes, right, now I'm going to turn the TV up and explain it all over again because it's actually completely different to all of that. All that stuff that I just said. And not only all of that film that you just watched, but all that stuff that I just said, none of that's true. This is actually what happened. So it's a bit like, what? What? I feel like now I feel like I've had two hours of my life wasted. Um, so it's a great thriller, but I had serious problems with the ending. Um, I I've felt got, a bit cheated by the end. I gotta say, I completely, completely forgot that the last <laughs> 20 minutes or so was what, what the last 20 minutes was. Um, cause um, yeah, it's great when he's running yeah. around that he's like he doesn't really have a clue what's going on and he's piecing together the mystery and then as soon yeah. as his father-in-law points the gun at him and basically says sit down while i info dump at you for 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes it, it yeah it and that would be yeah. that would be unforgivable in in many situations but to do that and then go right now here comes a completely different info dump um that sort of I mean, it's just it's it, the, the 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 section. You've got a. I can't believe I didn't draw a comparison with the fugitive at the time. But you've got that whole thing about a running man um, and him trying to sort of um, get to the bottom of a mystery that's kind of being covered up by people. That's fascinating. Also, how he has to try and find help with certain people and how he mm. falls in with that um, with the character of oh, I forgot his name now. Where is, is he? Bruno, that's it, yeah. How he falls yeah. with Bruno, and you get to see a little bit more of Bruno's world. So something that's suggested with Bruno early on, you get to see an awful lot more of, and the sort of, you know, he's obviously a, a gang runner uh, or a gang leader uh, of some sort. So you get to see more of that, and you get to see how Bruno sees a little bit of something in 
Beck as well and sort of goes, oh, you're actually a bit of a fucking nutcase, aren't you? So I loved all that. Um, and how he's then, you know, bouncing between other people he knows and trying to find out a little bit more. Kristen Scott Thomas in this just is fantastic. She's, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, it's, it, it's basically like she's French. I don't, I just don't understand how that she, works. She's, but, she's done loads of, she does quite a lot yeah. of French movies. Yeah. But she's, you know, she's she's excellent in it. Um, so it's just it's such a shame that that it, it takes such a weird path at the end. Um, but it's it's a brilliant, brilliant thriller, uh, and intense and, and highly enjoyable up until that point. Uh, so yeah, that was kind of my experience of it. Yeah, I agree. I genuinely, I forgot. Like, I was watching when he was recount like the 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 father in law is recounting everything and I was just thinking mm-hmm. like Noel's fucking hating this. <laughs> it's it's gonna really make him tear his hair out. And it's just it is it's really promising building up to it and it's really kinetic. Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. movement going on and there's stuff constantly yeah. happening. And it is literally sit down, let me tell you what's actually <laughs> happening. And it goes on for so long. Like, it's all the backstory. It's not that we've discovered little bits in, like, through the it's not one. It's not one twist. It's an entirely different it's, it's thing. A whole, it's a whole story. And then it's a different it's, film. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. it's, right, I'm going to put the radio up and actually tell you that thing I told you 10 minutes ago <laughs> isn't actually yeah. true and actually yeah. this happened. I mean, right, Mark, what do you think? Um, yeah, well, that, I mean, the weird thing is, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yes, there is there is a massive exposition dump and it is, it, it feels a little bit too long. Um, it, it feels about 15 minutes too long. Uh, which is that kind of, like you say, him sitting down and uh, sitting down and basically explaining everything. You know, there's the better ways to unravel that than, than the way they do it. But before that, it, it, it's really good. It's really engaging. Uh, I didn't twig that, that um, it was Madame Cotillard's um, husband. Uh, no, who, the guy. who casts oh. himself as the rapey man who kicks it all off which I thought was a yeah. really weird touch well, I, and I've never twigged that he's the French guy in the beach yeah 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 it, 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 it's weird um, and they, they as I think I maybe I said on the podcast before but may, maybe I just said to Donna I can't even remember now but actually no, I think I said to Donna they voice Marion Cotillard and Guillaume Canet voice the husband and wife villains in the French version of Minions. Yes, they do, yeah. And now I want yeah. to watch that. That's yeah. fantastic, yeah. They do. Uh, while we're doing little quirky uh, factoids, um, does anyone know what Kristen Scott Thomas's first ever uh, movie was? Um, Her first film role? No. It was Under the Cherry Moon. <laughs> Oh, was it? It was, yeah, under the show, it was her first ever film role. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is quite weird. Because I remember when I watched it earlier this year, um, I thought, fuck it, that Christine Scott Thomas. And then looked up like, shit, that was the first film she was in. And how, old was, how old was she? Uh, how old was she? 25. She was hot as fucking balls <laughs> then as well. She was, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Incidentally, uh, when Kristen Scott Thomas came on, um, Bex said to me, "Is that Kristen Scott Thomas?" Like, yeah, she's you know she she's in quite a lot of French films. So I think she's I think she counts herself as being more French than than English because she's lived in France the vast majority of her life. I think. Um, and she, she was like, "All oh, right." She looks, she looks quite good in this, doesn't she? I, I sort of looked back and went, yes, Kristen Schott Thomas looks good in something shocker. And her response was, really? Kristen Scott Thomas? Like, she's speaking French. That'll, it works. It just yeah. works. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was aware of the, the French thing with Kristen Scott Thomas. I, I think I've seen her interviewed in relation to a different film where she was talking about that and how, you know, just how fluent she is. But I don't know if I've seen her maybe I have, I don't know if I've seen her in anything before where she's doing that. Um, so, um, it was, uh, I mean, everybody's great in this as well. Yeah. Um, Francois Clouzet is kind of, who's, who's the lead actor is great in it. As I say, the character of, of Bruno, who's a actor called Gilles Lelouch, uh, which is a fantastic name. Um, he's, he's excellent in it as well. Everybody's brilliant in it. Um, the plot up until that point is great, and it's um, it's exactly the type of uh, man thriller that I've, I quite enjoy. It's just saying they didn't figure out a, a nicer, tidier way of maybe just introducing one twist that that pulled everything into into sharp focus at the end, and and sort of left you with something a bit more final and. Um, rewarding because uh, it kind of it takes away it, it takes that away from you and sort of undoes all its hard work really which is a shame yeah I mean yeah. The, 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 the whole thing with like the two bodies and one of them having the key and like why they yeah. have that kind of stuff it would have been good if they like peppered if they were able to pepper that in throughout and instead of yeah. just like you're told there were two bodies there the key and at the end, it's oh, it was because of this. Like, mm. I, um, but instead, I mean, the film kind of focuses itself on is his wife alive or not, and then you've got that mm. the scene which I lo- I really fucking love this scene actually, which is weird because you two are playing, but um, the the bit the the scene where he is walking his dog and he realizes what the username and password thing actually meant. Yeah, and, and, and like the, the and it's it, it's kind of building up, and obviously with or without you, it's an appropriate song as well. But the way it builds so, up, and it, it's so it's clever as well. What the, the username and password thing is there? Yeah, um, it I, is. But I I found that moment to be a bit uh, a bit too on the nose, and it felt a little bit like, I mean, to 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 a to to a French speaking person putting something that's so on the nose in there maybe it wouldn't feel quite so on the nose because it's in a different language but for it to be uh to an english ear when it's just so on the nose i don't know it, it, i found it a bit also it is u2 and that doesn't yeah that's it's gonna have you uh, two are always gonna have a negative effect on me yeah no i mean i it, yeah no I, I i agree with that but just the the, the way it it, 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 it's cutting between the username and the password and then the Mac circuit, multicolored circular yeah. thing of death where every time oh. that comes up on my MacBook, I want to kill myself. Um, mm. But the way that comes up and, and, and then 
that the, it pops up with the with the message and like it cut in between that and his face and it like yeah. the face full of like hope and dread and then bang it, it, the, the the email comes up and then he he's just so happy i it's mm. it's it, i mean it's it's well, I, I, I kept thinking at that really point nice. um I, I kept thinking at that point during that scene because he keeps looking at the dog and it made they made a big point of the dog and i was like oh is his dog gonna get they're gonna nick his dog that's what i thought nick yeah. his dog this is and then these dogs went up dead and i, I so i thought that was going on all the niceness is happening i'm just looking going they're gonna fuck that dog up aren't they yeah <laughs> the dog actually proves his innocence yeah yeah which, which was quite quite nice um it is the, some of the the, the the kind of musical drops in the movie are quite um pronounced i'd say in, in terms of the fact that they're he uses full songs um yeah. three or four times you know you've got the with or without you is is pretty much the entire song uh the opening i think it is um is that the Otis Redding? It's the Otis song. Redding one, and then there's the, the full use of uh, Jeff Buckley's Lilac Wine as well. At one oh point. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, See again, again, Lilac Wine. It, it's an excellent song, but it is, it is again, it's quite on the nose about it's very sort of French, isn't it? Yeah, and just the sort of you know, I, I, I it's it's about sort of you know being taken away from yeah. your pain by something and thinking about your lost lost love and the suggestion of death because um so it does feel a bit on the nose again uh, it's not too much of a problem with lilac wine it's a beautiful song anyway so it, it's it's fine mm. but it does again feel quite sort of on the nose but then i mean like the the the, the score as well I, I i actually thought worked um pretty well in the main themes and, the yeah. way, and I, I like the um the end theme and then they kind of replay it again over the credits with vocals mm. as well and I, I thought that worked I didn't know what the vocals meant obviously because it's French but it, um, mm. I thought I, I, I thought that worked well too and yeah I mean that's that's the thing it's I, I don't know it's when the whole I mean could the, the mystery of is she alive or not could that have been dragged out a bit more and then, yeah. and then take away some from the from, from the end as well because the thing is, I mean, the whole kinetic thing kind of ends with um, when Bruno and he, uh, he kills that that woman, like um, that really. Thin and they woman. disappear, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then they disappear, and then it's ba- and, yeah. and then it's basically right time for info dump, and then the old guy yeah. just gets arrested. And I wonder if. Sorry, I was just going to say, I wonder if if taking out the scene where um, she she goes to meet him, but then she's sort of in the background, does that maybe take away something from the ending? I mean, I love the ending. I'm going to talk about the ending in a minute. But I think that scene where she sort of nearly meets up with him, but he's being he's being watched and she sees that and sort of walks away. Is that maybe something that that? could have been lost because it takes away from the reveal that she is alive and she's out there. Cause at one point I was thinking, is she not alive and is somebody doing this to him to get something else mm. from him or, you know, or to frame somebody else or something. Um, so I wonder, was that scene necessary really? Well, I mean, I mean, even, I don't know. I mean, like obviously we're, we're talking about a hypothetical film here, but if, he saw like 
if he realized, like, actually saw her and was like, right, shit, she is alive, why mm. is she not making an effort to actually say, hi, I'm here? And then that builds yeah. up the mystery in the second half as to why it is she's she's doing this all in secret. You know, because I mean, obviously his main thing is I want to get to my wife. If it's right, I've seen my wife. Why can't I get to her? Then yeah. I, I, maybe it would add a bit more, but instead it's right. Okay. All these people are dying around me. I'm being mm. exonerated from this thing. Even though I did like the way that the detectives come round and they're like, we just want to apologize. And then mm. by the end of that conversation, it's, but hang on a second, you might have actually been responsible for that guy's death, so we're going to still mm. keep an eye on you. It's like, yeah. how shitty are these cops? You know, I mean, just leave him alone. <laughs> just leave him alone. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know, maybe it would have added some more intrigue to the end because once mm. once it kind of, like, the cops start figuring out, okay, he wasn't responsible for this, it, it is mm. like, right, okay, the tension's kind of over now. The... the aggressive people who were trying to get him and who killed that other woman and whatnot are gone. Yeah. We don't really have that much threat left. Mm. So it's just time to explain the plot. And it's ba- I mean, it's based on a novel. So maybe the novel does this as well, but then if it does, you know, films a different medium from books. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's a lot I liked about it. A lot of the things. A lot of the things. A lot of the things that I've mentioned already. You know, the the, the tightness, the pacing, uh, the thrill, the the main thriller aspect of it. The whole um, the whole notion of um, losing someone that you know we're all married. We you know it, it, losing your wife and then and having the sheer pain of that and never been able to shake that and then finding out that there's a possibility that she's out there and that you could get to the bottom of, you know, just clinging onto that and, and being able to find her and just forcing yourself on. I love that. Um, I really, really love that. And it's something that I can connect with. Um, I, uh, I really quite like the idea as well. And it's just, it's purely ridiculous and romantic. I really love the idea that, um, two people can kind of get together when they're like so young and, and just their entire life, spend their entire lives just completely bound to each other. Yeah. I just, it's a really romantic and really kind of silly and ridiculous idea, but it does get me right in the chest. So I like that. Oh mate, um, he's got a boyfriend and like, oh, that, that, yeah, those two are going to be, too, I think those two are going to be together added for item to be honest. So but that's it. You can, you can, you can see, I, I guess if you've got a, kid that age and stuff or, or you know a young child you can kind of see that little thing and think oh that's a beautiful thing that i i, I hope that's a real thing that actually happens anyway so oh mate her and morgan, this little yeah. this little blonde kid called morgan like they met in playgroup every time they meet each other i remember the first time that i met lottie loring she must have been no older she must have been no older than three years old no, I mean, Sorry, seriously, my... man. Like, they, they've known each other since they were a few months old. And, like, right. they just run around with each other all the time. She had her birthday party last week, ignored all the other kids, just wanted to spend time with Morgan. And all they were doing was running around after each other. And then they cuddle, and then they fall on the floor, and then just start wrestling, and then just start laughing at each other. It's amazing. 
like mm. fixed, <laughs> fixed for life. And the thing is, she's the dot. She's the dominant one as well. She's gonna walk all over him, and I love it. It's brilliant. Wow. He does That's everything she fucking tells him to do. It's great. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah. So there you go. That but idea, it's, a, yeah, it's a great. It's a it's a great little mechanic in here. It just helps weld that relationship and that sort of yearning thing uh, in there as well. The, and that pulls me right through to, to the other big thing that I liked, and that's the you know the very ending. It's not a um, it's not a typical sort of reuniting sort of moment. He's so exhausted and overcome that he can barely even look at her. It just yeah. he doesn't you know he doesn't spin round and sort of throw his arms around her. He just he realizes that she's there and he fucking breaks down on his knees and she has to come over and and hold him. It's it's a perfect, perfectly done moment and perfectly acted um between the two of them as well. So loved it. Um and it's just it's it's like I say, it's such a shame because there's so much that I love about this film. It just it's that that <laughs> And this is what I can't understand as well. This film was very well received. I don't know why people didn't have a problem with that because it it's a it's a big sort of it's a big jagged thing that sort of sticks out of of what would otherwise be a be an excellent film, um, and it has quite an impact on it. So yeah, it's in terms of recommendations, I am gonna have to say I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I woulda. Do you know what? I think I'd recommend, uh, but that would sort of ruin it for people. It's difficult because there's a lot of... Recommend it with a caveat. Yeah, there's a lot of drama and beauty in this film, but the the stru- that structural issue, I feel like I would have to tell people about it, but I think that would ruin the film because it would ruin all the good stuff that's in there because you'd know it was coming, so... I, I'd recommend it, and then I'd really want to talk to whoever it was that I recommended <laughs> it to afterwards to kind of get yeah. a take on it, I think. So, yeah, I'd recommend it. Good. Anyone else recommend it? Well, clearly. I, I, I'd, I'd recommend it, yeah. You I, would? I, 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 I would absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's... I think there's, there's enough good in it to, to kind of um, to take it past that rather shaky sort of 15 20 minutes yeah i think you're right i think you're right so there we have it i guess that's um three movies three recommends uh nobody's fallen out with anybody um that's a good start um and that was our uh, our first pay it forward uh, so I guess from here, why don't we talk about next recommendations? Because we've had sort of prior uh, conversations before the show on what's happened. We've all kind of figured out movies that other people haven't seen. They're all sort of recommendations. So, Ian, do you want to start by telling everyone what you've recommended me? Wait, no, I recommended you. Well, you recommended Mark. Fuck me. I was worried then. Um <laughs> So the film Mark's either going to connect with or not, and I think he should watch it with Becky and Izzy. Just throwing it out there. I probably will then. Um, me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, which was a Sundance hit two years ago, and then Fox picked it up, and it kind of went to nothing. Um, 
so it's 2015's Birth of a Nation in that regard, um, which is the only comparison <laughs> you'll ever hear about those two films. Um, and I think it's a, a, a genuinely lovely film. Um, but it might piss him off, even though it's got Nick Offerman on fine form. So there is that. So I'm hoping he'll like it. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm, when you mentioned that, I thought, you know what? It's given me a good excuse to watch that. Because it's one of those films I could see me going, I want to watch that and I will watch it for years. <laughs> and then eventually just going, do you know what? I don't need to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that it's come up. Yeah? Yeah, I'm glad that it's come up because it's something that I originally kind of wanted to see and then it fell by the wayside and never got around to it. So I, I'm it's a good to cast. It. Yeah. Yeah, man. A bit of John Burnfall, a bit of Molly Shannon. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the girl who plays the girl, Rachel, Olivia Cook, she's very good. She's, um, I believe she's uh, the co-lead in Ready Player One, the new Spielberg film as well. So she's, uh, she's a bit of an up-and-comer, that one. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was what I had gifted Mark. So, Mark, what did you gift Noel, I suppose? I have gifted, yep. haven't gifted him yet, but I will be gifting it. Uh, it's the um, 2002 um, Alex and Andrew Smith movie. Uh, there's two uh, writer-directors that you've heard nothing of since. Uh, but uh, you might have heard uh, of some of the cast, uh, seen as it um, stars Ryan Gosling, uh, David Morse, uh, and uh, Clea Duval, I think he's in it as well. Uh, trying to remember off the top of my head uh, from there. Yeah, it's called The uh, Slaughter Rule. Um, and this was based on the fact that um, Noel... And if, if I say this now and you go, ah, no, not really. You, <laughs> you, you're a fan of the film uh, Warrior, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's it's it, it's not similar in terms of story, but in terms of kind of tone of um, these guys. Uh, essentially, Ryan Gosling. I'll give a very brief idea of it. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, it, in terms of that. It's that um, very tough guys broken down, and that's what the the, the slaughter rule is. It, it's that. There's some quite there's some quite kind of like oh my god moments uh, within it um, and when you've got somebody who you know, actors like David Moss and Ryan Gosling playing off each other um, then then there you've, you've got you've got gold but it's it's never really had any kind of traction in the UK um, and I kept thinking uh, it would do at some point because of the the Gosling effect yeah never just what? never yeah had. was it again uh, 2000. Oh, Amy Adams, I think, also crops up in it as well. Actually, I think. oh, beautiful. Uh, 2002. Um, and I, I started um, doing. I'm going to be a fucking Ryan Gosling hipster bastard now. I started following Ryan Gosling uh, in 2001 when he was in the movie The Believer, um, and I've kind of followed his career since then for like what 15 years now. Um, and this was like the second or the third film of his I, I saw. I actually tracked it down. I think I ordered a um, Region 1 DVD of it uh, and paid about 14 quid for it and was was not disappointed. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that. And I, I, it's weird because I've genuinely never heard of it before and I don't understand why 
why how that can be so yeah it's uh, crazy excellent that's good um well finally then and i'm really excited about this actually i am recommending a movie from 2009 to ian um called tony uh it was just called tony in the uk but i think it was then sort of released again as tony london serial killer um it's been described in the past as sort of a british version of henry portrait of a serial killer it's very it's well I, don't, I won't get into it too much, but it's a movie that I saw, I think, uh, I think it was Grimfest in 2009, and I really, really liked it, uh, and I uh, met the lead actor and the director and spoke to them about it, um, and it was a film that I really, really got on board with. I've been keen to rewatch it for years. I've recommended it to other people in the past. I definitely think it's something that... Um, the old me really, really liked, and therefore the old Ian uh, would probably have really, really liked. When nice. I say that, I mean the sort of, you know, the old um, uh, filthy horror movie uh, loving and sort of festival going um, Ian Noel that we used to be before we yeah. turned into cynic old romantic bastards. Yeah. Um, and also, another reason that I'm really, really excited about it, and I didn't realize this until today, the the director of this film has only directed one other movie, uh, written and directed one other movie, and that is a movie from 2014, which I think Ian actually recommended me. Was um, it? Was I, I, I'm Hyena. Hyena, yeah. Yeah, I'm just Shut the shit that, yeah. up, really? Seriously, oh, I only yeah. just realised that. Wow. Um, now, yes. Yes. It's an Hyena is an excellent film. If nobody's, if anybody film. out there has not seen Hyena, it's, it's a fantastic film. Um, and I'm I'm delighted to be recommending it. Um, I'm delighted to be recommending Tony because you know I think Ian will get something out of it. But also, oh, mate, but I was I know I, was I know Ian likes Tiana, so that works. Yeah, man, I was up for it already, knowing that now I'm very excited. Yeah, fuck yeah. Excellent. So um, yes, so next episode, whenever that is, we will be covering those three films. That was our first um, pay it forward, and I think uh, I think it was a success. Yeah. Um, gents, normal service will resume with Dude and a Monkey next week, I assume. Do you want to tell everybody what they can expect? Uh, double review, Silence and Assassin's Creed. So there's yeah. a, there, there's a fucking that's a double. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. We've we've I think we've both seen Silence, but not seen Assassin's Creed yet. I, right? I I've not seen Silence yet. I've not seen either of them yet. To be honest, I'll be watching them both. Uh, on Saturday, I think. Oh fuck me! That is the hell of a double bill. Um, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Um, and then the, the week after, we're going to be doing our year-end show. But yeah, it's uh, Silence and Assassin's Creed next week. So yes. Fantastic. Okay. Well, that draws that to an end. Uh, as always, if you've got any comments about this particular iteration of uh, Dude and a Monkey, then please let us know. Um, if, uh, if that relates to the films we've talked about or any other pay-it-forward recommendations you might have, um, you can get in touch via Twitter at Dude and a Monkey, at Dude Foz, at Ian Loring, or me, at Filmrant, um, or, of course, drop uh, the gents an email, uh, dudeandamonkey at gmail.com, is it? It is indeed. Oh, there we go. Um, and as I say, normal service will resume very, very soon. So uh, thanks very much, gents. That was fun. Yeah, boy. Good day. All right. Good night, all. Night-night. Night-night.